I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, well, well. When I say five, you say two. What is that equal, boys? <laughs> Seven. <laughs> <laughs> if you were to dedicate an hour a week to this podcast, you would reach this point a year later. Back to the start and listen to everyone up until now. That'll be 52 hours. Actually, some of them are over an hour. Oh, here we go. <laughs> some are under. We keep being your toes here at the LaFontaine's podcast. That's why the podcasts keep returning in their hundreds. You see, for the 100th episode, we'll do a 24-hour podcast. I think we should for, for comic relief. I can picture it now, get the likes of Merchant, Gervais, all the boys on. John Bishop. <laughs> I don't to get John Bishop on, eh? your favourite. Scott Mills from Radio 1, he would like to be on as well, Chris Stark. Who's Chris Stark? That's his wee buddy. What, is he a Radio 1 guy? Certainly is. Uh, we wouldn't know that because we've not been played on there, so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Do you listen to Radio 1? Never off, mate. Can't get enough of it. Actually, it's on right now as we talk. See, at the weekend on Radio 1, they just let any cunt present it. Do they? Aye. It's like complete amateur folk that are on, like see like a Sunday morning or something. Aye, aye. Gary Lambert here from Shelton. <laughs> aye, aye. So I, we found ourselves here at 52 weeks in, it's quite the feat. This one has been blessed with a, I mean we often say it's a very special guest, but this guest is... Special to us. He's special to us, exactly. A man that took us under took us under his, his reins when we were our lowest point. We were actually quite a low point, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> how happened, how low, why were we low? At that point, we'd put out the Common Problem album, and then that was in like, that all kind of wrapped up in like November. And then up until we went on tour with, with Don Broco, fuck all was happening. Oh, aye, we were low. <laughs> Kidding aside, the I saved, saved our fucking being. I actually did. And then fr- from then we went from strength to strength. Really, from then we have went from strength to strength. You're right, he's a special guest to us. It's uh, it's the one and only. Bobby D. Bobby from uh, from Don Broco. Looking forward to... Um, Having a chin wag. Barring the old chins together. But before that... Um, well, it's just us three, the, the, the Boomtown Cats, the uh, the Free Amigos, the... The Musketeers. The Musketeers, as they say. 
In all honesty, I've been out in my travels a lot recently. I actually had to go back up to the to the to Glasgow for some some essential work. Um, and while I was out in the streets there, I was walking to Central Station, stopped in my tracks. Genuine comment. Somebody shouted, "Care, fucking love the podcast, mate." There you go. Needless to say, I was with a few folk at the time, and they were quite impressed. <laughs> a man of many hats, you'd call me. I'm, I'm, I'm a very talented musician, very talented TV presenter. Very, very talented what? <laughs> TV presenter. TV presenter, <laughs> podcaster, crypto trader. Crypto. Crypto, <laughs> <laughs> crypto head. Uh, what else? Awesome cook. Awesome cook. <laughs> and handsome. A man of many hats. Excellent negotiator. <laughs> If, here's a good question for you. If you could give yourself one fantastic new skill and you're very good at it, what would it be? One that you've no got already. Archery. Archery. <laughs> uh, good at drawing. I could draw a wee bit, but I, like, I can't colour in the lines. Mm. But what is art, you know? Uh, I would like to be able to drive because I can't drive and then I wouldn't need to learn to drive. I'll get you, huh? Drive me up the wall. <laughs> drive you in the bend. Drive these podcast <laughs> streams through the roof. Uh, what about you, Ka? What would my skill be? Probably a re- like an even better fighter. Even better. No, but you've because you, you're already such a good fighter already. Like that's not that's not a new skill. That's just like upgraded. Well, that's what I mean. Is it is it Brazil Brazilian jiu jitsu you do, care? It's a mix of that and Muay Thai. <laughs> Obviously, I mean you guys know me well. Like since what it was two and a half three and years. You ever old. have always liked your mixed mixed I've martial always, arts? I've been into mixed martial arts before I get famous. Like I was mad on it. So. And I've completed all the championships, the Muay Thai world title, uh, European Muay Thai title, and uh, the South Thai. Asian uh, Thai <laughs> title. <laughs> the Muay Thai tag team. Tag team. <laughs> it was hardcore. <laughs> hardcore match. And a continental champion. TLC. <laughs> so I just be just be even better at the fighting, I think. So if anybody gave me any snatch, I could yeah. Fuck them up. Um, it's been a week where we've been we've been kind of disjointed as the boys. I mean, if anybody listens to the podcast regular, they'll 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 be able to tell there's a kind of bond between the three of us that cannot be broken. Cannot, cannot be broken. Um, people have tried, but it cannot be broken. <laughs> but this week, I must say, we've been kind of disjointed as the boys. Why is that on your end, Jamie? That is because you have now you've now been offered a, a permanent for a job for life. I think was your word. Can you tell us a bit more about it? Uh, what, why, and when, as they say? As you, I'm looking at you at the moment on the couch. You look like a man, a man who cannot be arsed to cast. A man who done 86, 86 hours over six days. Oh my god! Wow, wowie! Fair fucks, man. And he's still casting away. That's the commitment to the fans. Up those Patreon donations. Because in the, the fridge game, I'm the the last on the team sheet, so to speak. Last in, first out, sort of thing. Would be kind of like that, but it's like the. I only find out on a Friday if I'm working and then for three weeks or whatever I don't have in and then I've got a fucking a, a, a killer. Mm-hmm. Part of this like agency group. You've got an agent? <laughs> My agent got in touch with me. Jamie's got his own agent. My agent got in touch with me saying labouring job and wishy and so the fridges was got to be quiet so I was like cool I'll take that. Meant to last Monday to Friday, and I said I could I could only do Monday to Thursday last week because I got something on Friday. I said that was fine, so I went in on Monday, and it was a uh, so just a, a ten or an hour, 
ideal side, just get tell the the guy that was the main labour supervisor. He was just like, ah, just smoke when you want, go for lunch when you want, take as long as you want, just go and sort of sweep up. So I was just in between three houses sweeping up, and uh, I was like, this is too good to be true. I'm doing actually nothing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I was, I was doing, I was doing nothing. I was like, this is fucking, this is all right. <laughs> uh, that was fine. I got through, got through the Monday doing absolutely nothing. Buzzing? Did you come uh, home buzzing? I came home. I came home like, well, I did, I did like working, like, like, I did like the physical bit of working and 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 sweeping is like, there's not much that can go wrong. And I like that sort of work where. There's nothing I could do wrong, but there's a couple of bits where I was good into the skirting that had just been glossed and all that. But Uh-oh. oh shit, <laughs> turns out you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough to cause concern. So that was the Monday. Went back, back in on the Tuesday. So I was just doing Craignac, so it's only like about 35 minutes to walk. I did it on the Tuesday, and the, the big site agent guy, not the guy who owns the company, but guy who's head of the site. So before I'd seen him on the the Monday, but because I was up in the windies, I could see where he was. So that when he was coming up the stairs, I was pure doing my bit. And he's going, "Oh, you're, you're well done. You're cleaning these rooms really good, better than all the other labourers, not so." Gold star. So I, I, I've I've seen him going about this site, and he's shouting at everybody like quite a thorough. I was like, I, I don't, I thought I'd hate him if he's seen the bits <laughs> that I had cut the broom into the gloss. Anyway, <laughs> it was uh, he's like, right, "Come with me, come with me," and I'm sort of following him about like a wee duck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he's going. Everyone was asking me today. I was, I was getting it all right. I was sort of, I was doing good at it. The things he was getting me today. And he's like, right, I want you to cut this. And he gave me this like mad-looking tool. And he's going, you don't know how to use that, didn't you? And I was like, how do you know? And he's going, you're holding it upside down. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, he's going to have. Have you know, have you know done much of this work before? And I was like, well, I've done tiring my dad, and I've done all sorts of different bits of jobs. I've just never used this like tool, whatever it was. It was like a mad saw thing. And he was going, "What is it today?" And I was like, oh, "I play drums in a band, and just sort of waiting for that to come back." And I was going, "Yeah, wish you, boy." I was like, "Aye, aye, just up the road, just up in Coltness." He's going, "You must know, you must know, wee Jamie." <laughs> I was like. Jamie who? He's like, Jamie Keenan. I was like, that's me. <laughs> uh, unless there was somebody else called Jamie Keenan. He's like, fuck. He's going, I don't know what, what had happened, but he's like, your, your dad really, really helped me. Um, Oof. Your dad really helped me, and your mum taught me sign language. So this was two things I didn't know about my mum and dad. Anyway, my dad's, I don't know how and what capacity my dad helped him. I don't know if he... Gave him a fiver, or or if he saved him for drowning. Anyway, it, it didn't go into it, but it just said your dad really helped me. He was going, you got a job for life if you want to do this until whenever you want. I'll get you shifts every day, and then he's going, is it, is it through an agency? And I was like, aye. And he goes, right, because the agency, they, they they make the money by, so for example, they put, take they take money a cut. Aye, aye, aye. So he's aye, going, aye. right, fuck the agency, you go through me, so there's, my wages have went up already now. And this is a guy that's been shouting at Ivdy and then seeing us telling him about the band and all that sort of thing. So, so Ivdy's already been wary of this guy because he's going about and 
back in orders every but <laughs> now it's like I'm falling behind him and he keeps going Jamie boy what's wrong with me and then it's like uh, <laughs> that way I'm almost like looking at all the different tradesmen as if to say sorry like I didn't I didn't ask for this and he's shouting at all these guys going this guy's a superstar and it's just me going behind him with a bin a bin and a brush and all that <laughs> This guy's a superstar. <laughs> so I uh, was like the sort of the wee teacher's pet, but he's he's going honestly like uh, I know all your family and he, he knew me until he met me. But <laughs> <So laughs> he must know Jamie Keenan. Maybe there is another Jamie Keenan because I've never heard of your mother in sign language or anything. Well, I, I did phone her and then she was like, "Oh, aye, aye." That's amazing. That's amazing, man. Then we had this. Uh, we're talking about doing this music video for the, the Scotland song. Came back and listened to the podcast where we created the Scottish National Anthem. We're now at a stage with that, with the Euros coming up, that we're probably going to release it. And we uh, need to shoot a music video for it. So Jamie has been... Scouting the locations. Scouting some locations. So tell us, Jamie, do you fill us in what's happening there? User, I don't know, because we went through it last night. But the, the, the opening scene of the video would have be singing dead uh, emotional to the camera. <laughs> but I'm on the building site. And then the big boss comes and he says, you can't go and watch the football. He's like, I need to work. And then I rip the high-vis jacket off and then storm off the site sort of thing. So he was asking, he's like, what's happening with the band? And then I was like, oh, I've got one gig in August. I've got a couple that are, I think are moving to next year and all that, in Russia and all that. I was telling him about the building site and then he's going, oh, that'd be fucking, that'd be, that sounds funny and all that sort of thing. And then I was... Mind the mind business, picking up nails and plastic and putting them in my bin. Uh, and then you could hear him coming in the corner. Jimmy! He's, like, he's always like shouting at that sort of thing. So it's always like standing to attention as soon as as soon as you hear him sort of thing. So I'm waiting on, I'm waiting on. I don't know. It seems like too good to be true. The new, but anyway, it's like the he's going to meet me and meet this guy. So this is the the big boss for the company. Well, Fence, this is Wednesday we're recording this podcast, so in two days you've managed to start, lose the agency, get your, your wage bumped up, and now you're, you're uh, wheeling and dealing, negotiating sponsorship deals with the owner, the head, who's flew up from London <laughs> to, uh, to speak to you. So I tell this guy, and he's he thought it was brilliant. You know, he's saying, like, well, we can obviously kind of film during the week. He's going any Saturday you want, because it'll be one or two guys in on a Saturday. So the site would still be open. It's like, come in and do it then. So uh, so what's the, the overall kind of vibe on site like with you? Are they still treating you like one of your own? It's like a good a good couple of people for the site are, are fair wishy. And uh, I didn't know anybody else there, but... They know you. They know me. They were saying, we've never had a labourer a labor as, as keen as you. And then they're going, eh, <laughs> keen in his mustard. <laughs> so they keep saying. Because I'm always walking a bit or cheery and asking everybody if they want a hand. I don't know how long that'll last, but because uh, <laughs> uh, I was good morning and how's it going and uh, <laughs> asking everybody else if they want a coffee. I'm not going. We don't. We don't. We don't get folk like you on sites very much. <laughs> That's great, man. That's nice to hear. There is one guy. I don't know who he is. I don't think he's fair wishy, but oh see, shit, is he scar? He's the baddie. <laughs> well, see, see, cause that that way it's I'm getting introduced as. The superstar. You can just see him looking at me going, fuck you. That's the way he's looking at me. And, uh, and I can just tell that he hates me. He can see, he can see my stupid hair 
flowing at my hotel <laughs> and all that. He's probably getting shouted at off of these guys that are, that love me. Is he the same level as you, this guy? Don't no, think anyone's no, the same level as you now. I'm definitely the lowest order, but... A league of your own? I genuinely don't think there's anybody in the UK that uh, is in the same money I'm getting for, for what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, well, I think I think it's time we go and, uh, we go and speak to the man that described earlier who's saved their lives. Big Bobby for Don Broco. Fucking well, man. You're looking good. You're looking fresh. You've had a shave. You've had a shave. I did have that shave. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just about to say, like, wow, like Jamie, your beard is looking fucking impressive. I'm getting there, man. It looks amazing. Um, I need to get uh, it trimmed. It's starting to go in my, my teeth and all that. It's, uh, yeah. I was, eat, I was eating, eating my soup for lunch, and then it was like I kept eating my moustache. We've had some good lockdowns. So yeah. good lockdown. <laughs> I was like, what, what am I going to do over lockdown that's productive? And it's like, I will grow my hair. That is the one thing I haven't ever done in life that I wanted to do. But I, I had the same. I was, I was trying to grow my facial hair because my facial hair is just terrible. It's like just really patchy looks shit you know like you try i try and go for the stubble thing being it's just like all over the place and then i figured out I, I figured out i could grow a tash pretty like full though but i never knew that you had to like maintain it and upkeep it by trimming it so like you were saying it would just curl around into my mouth and like go over my lip and into my teeth and it was Aye. it was pretty minging to be fair and then i was like oh so you, you've got to cut that as well a little bit yeah, I'm going to have to bring that back one day because I do miss the Tash. Bring it back for album number four, man. Speaking of which, are you just finished recording that? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're very close. We're pretty much finished. It's just making those little touches, a few little tweaks here and there. Um, pretty much all done now. You know, we know what the songs are going to be. It's, uh, it's like that annoying stage where you're sort of just like tweaking it for the sake of it. Yeah. We've had so long to do it. It's like the longest we've ever had to, to write an album and record it. But almost because of that now, it's like, well, you might as well make it perfect, you know, because um, a lot of the other times we've been in a rush and you've ended up sort of just handing it in because it's like, oh, the mix isn't quite there. But, you know, fuck it, I've got to get it in. I remember when we were touring together, we've done the tour. How many years ago was that now? Two, two years ago, three years ago? Two or three years ago, yeah, yeah. Three, three years ago, fuck. I remember we were in uh, Antwerp, I think, and coming up for you guys would have been the big show. I think we just announced it, yeah, yeah. You just announced it, and so coming up was Wembley, and you were like, we need to get a new song out, we need to mm. help promote this show somehow, but when are we going to have time to write it, you know? 
Yeah. So this is obviously giving you time to sit and write a full record, really focus on it, really hone in on it. Has that process been different to you or are you at the stage where you're kind of maybe overthinking things or how's it been? It's been good, actually. It's been, yeah, it has been good. No, I don't think we've overthought it. I think maybe now we, we're overthinking, you know, like, you know, the the how many dbs do you want that particular yeah, yeah. harmony on a on a mix you know it's like you're overthinking stuff like that because no one cares it's like <laughs> if the tunes if the tunes good then they're not gonna you know care at all about the minutiae is the stuff we're kind of just doing now because we do have the time to do it and it's like you might as well do it but yeah in regards to the actual writing it's been it's been amazing you know it's been uh, i mean as as shit as uh you know, lockdown was and pushing all the touring back and, you know, everything, you know, for some, we were lucky that, you know, we were in the writing process anyway. We didn't have to, yeah. you know, cancel dates. We had a load of dates in the diary and we've pretty much just all shifted them by a year. Um, you know, I felt proper bad for all the bands who were, you know, just about to release an album or they'd just done it and that, you know, they're constantly changing those dates. I was just really feeling for them. Um, so yes, we just had longer to write the album and got to just write more songs, um, not worry about stuff. You know, if a song wasn't working out, it was like, you know, forget about it, just write another one and yeah. you know, don't don't get caught up in it. Was the plan always to go back in with Jason Perry, who you done your second album with? Yeah. So, well, we've only ever worked with uh, two people like, you know, producing Dan and Jason. And I think we love both of them. Mm-hmm. And... You know, we, well, we, to be fair, we did worked a bit with Jason on the second one as well. Um, and so Dan, again, worked on this third one with us. But this time Jason did, the you know, the majority of the producing. And it was sort of just, just in a way of just mixing it up, keeping things, keeping things fresh amongst us, but not too fresh that it's like scary and you're working yeah. with someone you've never worked before. Because that does, that does terrify me, like committing to recording an album with someone and it not working out because you you know we've heard a few horror stories where uh you know it just hasn't and you, you committed to like you know 12 tracks and months 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 in the studio all that money all that time wasted and that'll just be gutting so jason's wicked as well it's like he's the the most positive incredible like force of nature in the studio that you want you know i, I don't know about you guys but you know we do we are we do tend to overthink things i think we didn't this album um you know a lot because of you know jason would just be like nah it's sick like chuck oh. it in. doesn't matter you know you just get, you know he sometimes like says stuff sick when it isn't sick as well <laughs> so you know just you're like yeah yeah it's fucking wicked and then you sometimes backtrack a little bit but but still like i'd, I'd rather someone have that energy and that positive yeah, and keep things moving and, and just record a load of shit to then either scrap it or you know, tweak it than just, you know, think about things too much. You know, if you're, if you're, you know, at a standstill because you're not sure where to go, just commit to a direction, get it down, and, and then you figure it, you know, you find out later if it's if it's a keeper or not. We've been at this pretty much the same amount of time, like, what, 12 years? Mm. We've been 12 years. You, you've been a bit the same, eh? Yeah, yeah. It, was, it must be 12 years now, yeah. We realised it was like 10 years when we did Wembley, it was that was the year that we Fuck. sort of sort of started think approaching it. You know, we'd been a band long enough because we've been a band since school. So mm-hmm. if you think of that, we've been a band a real. You know, we've known each other since we were like fourteen. So what was your uh, initial name? Initial name was uh, Unfortunate Spillage. 
<laughs> that was the first ever name. That was like the first thing we would ever build on. That was like the poster. And then I think we maybe changed our name even before the gig. You know, like we were like, oh. we were watching a lot of like American Pie and, you know, all those like teen comedy. We were like, yeah, this will be fun. <laughs> Stifler's mom. Yeah. <laughs> we had loads of rubbish names like that. Um, there's another name that our bassist wanted that was like full throttle. <laughs> yeah. he'd been listening to a lot of like power metal as alongside all the pop punk stuff they, so yeah, we had a lot of bad names to be fair but um because of these last two years when nothing's happened it's taken us into that 12 years being like a proper band we're like whoa that that now feels like they start rolling you out at the award ceremonies it's like the fucking yeah yeah but it's like we haven't really done anything yet. We just sort of start. <laughs> but, but man, but that's that's fucking amazing space to be in, to be that deep in the game, to know yourself as a band that much, to have that much of a fan base behind you, like a loyal stick with you through whatever type fan base, to then just be starting to get notoriety. Like look at bands like Biffy Clyro, for instance. Like you know, what I mean, it, it really fucking goes. Do, do you feel like album number four having that much stuff behind you now? Like you question things less in terms of trying to get validation for what wh who you are as a band and all that. Yeah, no, I do think I think the more also the more music you write, one song or even one album amongst your whole body of work that you've created, it's it's almost less. There's less pressure on it. In a, there's more pressure on it way because it's your next release and you do feel that. But in a way, there's less pressure because it's like, well, we've got all this stuff. You can listen to that, and um, I think the way that we like to approach it is it's like you know we constantly want to move things forward and mix it up and we like to think that most of our fans sure not all of them you know do feel that way it's like you know if we are gonna try take a few risks and you know do things and like maybe like go for something that's a little weird or a little bit not what people would expect like even if it fails and falls flat they've still got the old records to listen to, you know, they've still got yeah. that, that old yeah. stuff. Hopefully we've proven that we're capable of, you know, writing uh, a good song. So now let's like, you know, let's do something a little bit different. Let's try and write a good song, but in a different way. And I think, you know, the more songs you've got under your belt that people dig anyway, it kind of does give you a little, a little bit more freedom to be like, oh, fuck it, let's just try it out. We've toured with so many amazing bands, bands we're huge fans of, but I've yet to see a more complete, better live show than Don Broco. I it wasn't it well it wasn't until uh, I seen you play till I kinda got it. I remember listening to you before before we toured together and I was like, how do these songs make sense with each other? Yeah. Sort yeah. Of thing. And then when you see yeah. it going right, aye, that's what it's like. But like, cause some of the some of the tracks are like wildly different. Like see Very the, different. the first yeah, ones yeah. you done, you were doing thug workout and all that and it's like there's a very pop formatted like verse chorus verse chorus a middle bit and then another chorus but yeah i remember watching i was like how did they go for that bit into that bit in the song yeah. sort of thing? that's always a bit of a challenge people always say that to us as well that whole like describe your music man fuck off just come see and it. see it then <laughs> yeah 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 do you write with the live show in mind we didn't we used to not at all and i think the last album was the first time we did so yeah the the, the third the album that we were touring when we did that, those shows, that was the first probably bunch of shows where we were like seeing the reaction of, you know, we thought about it in the studio for the first time, like, oh yeah, this will be sick when we drop this riff or whatever, we'll build it in this way. 
to allow this moment yeah and uh, and it paid off it was like you get you get that feeling from the crowd you know which is like an extra it's almost like an extra little validation of like oh yeah like the way we went about it was the right way because yeah the first two albums we didn't really think about that definitely the second album we almost purposely went the other way because we were like now nah, let's just really make it a studio album we were sort of we were definitely kind of trying to be I think probably more grown up, we were like, oh, we, you know, we signed to a label now, you know, we're going to write. It's, a, it's the first time we kind of like figured out how to write songs. And I think we were very much like, oh, let's just really try and write really good songs. Um, and there's, you know, there's definitely a place for that. It's not to be, not to be stiffed at writing good songs, you know. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a ve- it's a very hard thing to write a good um a good simple song as well like you know songs that aren't like you know fancy or singing or dancing to write just a simple good tune like that's the hardest thing in the world but i think <laughs> probably because like we found that so hard uh the next album we were like nah fuck it let's just have fun with it and let's think about i think because we've done a lot of shows as well with um you know bigger you know we the first time we yeah. had some big some big support acts and you kind of, you know, you do, you just pick things up from other bands. You're like, wow, that really works live. And we tweak things in our own songs to like make them better for live. Yeah. So we were like, nah, screw it. Let's just put that in the song from the start. You know, then you don't have to mess about with that too much when it comes to actually like practicing it for the live show. So yeah, we, we've done it on this album as well. It's probably even more like live friendly i think the new music it's like you know very like you can just see it in the mosh pit people you know jumping about it definitely feels like sort of album you want to play so do you feel it was the the third album that everything kind of clicked for you as a band yeah i think yes and no to be fair you know in a weird way weirdly it was actually the second record i think that made things happen so yeah i don't think there's it's very hard to like pinpoint a moment or even the album because it was the second album that was getting us like the tours with Bring Me the Horizon, Five Seconds of Summer. Um, you know, we did those. Those were the the, the two biggest I, I tours. For, I first. forgot, man. I forgot you done that. The the, the Five Sauce tour. That was yeah. Huge five Sauce. That yeah. that was all over Europe. You know, it's crazy, crazy like stadium arena shows in Europe. Um, you know that automatic as well was the first time we were in Japan. Did these crazy shows with. Um, uh, one okay rock. Uh, I think maybe we'd had we'd had everybody out by then. Um, maybe maybe there's like one one or two songs out from the new record, sort of in interim songs. But like that was very much the album that kind of got us out there, and I think kind of got us a bit of sort of international recognition. Uh, so then it was like obviously then following up with uh, technology. I think probably helped solidify it. And it like took it to the ticket to the next level, yeah. I don't see Don Broco as a radio band in the same way that I don't see us as a radio band. Not that I don't think we would absolutely both fucking work at radio. It's just we've been told, you know, it's too different. It's too Scottish. I mean, we've played in Radio One like a few times at like fucking four graveyard in the morning. Graveyard shift, yeah, exactly, yeah. The graveyard <laughs> shift. But like Don Broco is the same to me. It's it's like it's different. So where do you place that? What box does that fall in? And the industry's always claiming it it wants something different, but it doesn't really. It just wants the same thing repackaged. And I say that completely with no with no bitterness. Do you know what I mean? So you guys have built it up completely from a live perspective. You you've you've gained your fan base from touring yeah no definitely i think 
anything, the way kind of I've started to see it is because we used to get really bummed. I mean, to be fair, the the second album, it was like one of the most crushing like moments ever because, you know, Spotify had come out, people had started streaming and uh, we'd signed to, we signed Sony on our first album, but we'd been sort of like upgraded within Sony. Um, so we'd gone to Epic, you know, which is like a more known frontline Sony label and Spotify was obviously important, but it wasn't, radio was still the be all and end all, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, like it is, you know, it probably was for, you know, up until about, yeah, probably three or four years ago. Now it's the first time people are like, you don't need that, you know, you can do your own thing. But I remember the conversations we had with the record label and it was very much like, right, we need to get this on radio. Um, if it doesn't, we don't have a plan B. It's like, that was it. And I remember it was the really vividly because it was like the night of the Brit Awards and it was this... Um, it was the first time we didn't we didn't go to the Brit Awards, but we'd invited to the the Sony after party, and it was like we we're all suited and booted, and we were like, "Oh, this is it! You know, this is what it feels like to be in a band. This is you know, sitting rubbing shoulders with like Rita Ora, and you know, <laughs> Calvin Harris is over there, and you're like, sick, you know, you're feeling feeling really good, and um, bumped into our our radio plugger uh, that night, and I think we knew that they were taking the single to radio. They were taking uh, Nerve to radio that week. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I had a few drinks, whatever, and bumped into him. And I probably should have just not talked business and just had, just had a fun night. But I was like, oh, mate, yeah, yeah, how's it going? You know, how, how did it go? And he was just really honest with me. He's like, nah, didn't didn't go well. I was like, <laughs> oh, so, so what you mean? You're like, uh, you know, they, he was like, nah, it's, don't think it's going to work at radio. And I was like, oh, so you'll you take it back. Like, you know, next week is like, nah, that wasn't really the vibe. <laughs> he was like, nah. He's <laughs> basically in like telling, telling to me straight. He, he was like, you know, fair play. He could have just like, you know, brushed me off and been positive and, and sent me an email the next week. And, but he was honest with me. He was like, nah, I just don't think it's going to work this time. And which must happen every day. Like think of the millions of artists yeah, who were yeah. trying to, trying to go for radio. And it's, you know, obviously, like, especially in the UK, you know, there, there's only real it's radio one for new music. There's no other station that's going to like really champion like brand new unknown artists, um, which is, you know, which is the amazing thing about it. You know, they'll take people who got no support at all and just go. But, you know, that that means there's hundreds of artists going for the same like five new slots every, you know, every week or whatever. Um, so so I just crushed me in that night. I was just like just drinking, getting hammered just to like get through the the, the upset. <laughs> Stop being like drinking, having a good time and just drinking, oh fuck, this is the end of our career sort of thing. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, it, it took like a few weeks to sort of, you know, get over that and like think, oh shit, like what's what's the next step? And like, you know, there was, a, there was definitely a few months where we thought, fuck, like we're done. This is, this is yeah. that was our shot as a band uh, and it, and it's over. Um, but then we just were like, fuck it now. Nah, like, let's keep, you know, keep plugging ahead, keep recording, keep writing new music, you know, don't give up, do our own thing. And, um, so that didn't really matter. You know, it was all like, you know, the next album, we started putting songs out, you, you're getting hits on YouTube, you're getting hits on Spotify, you're just word of mouth, you know, a few, and I don't think we had 
a playlist on the last record we might have had maybe like a C list on one of the, one one of the songs but you know come out to LA yeah yeah but yeah they played that a few times which was which was nice got to go on Annie Mac she was lovely you know she she was super super great super supportive yeah the way I saw it after that was like if you get a bit of radio it's like it's almost like a it's like a cheat it's like a, it's like a shortcut it's yeah. a bonus it's like it's kind of like you're playing snakes and ladders and you're you're in it for the long haul and if you hit one of those ladders you know you get up a few rungs and you might get to the top a bit quicker but it's like you know it doesn't doesn't mean it's game over it'd be worse rob if it was like your first couple of songs were all over the radio and then it stopped oh that 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 would be crushing, I think. Because you, you'd be yeah. used to it or whatever. Yeah, but mate, yeah, how, how yeah. many how many bands do we fucking all know collectively that have came out the gate massive, dropped yeah. after the first album, never done what they thought it would, and you yeah. never hear from them again? No, I think that's 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 really hard. Like a massive thing for you guys as well is uh, like the videos. Mm. And it's something I look forward to so much, man. Like every time I see there's a new release pending for you or something's coming, I'm like, oh, the video will be fucking class. Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Also, what happened today? Remember we went and filmed down in the beach? Brighton. Brighton oh, Beach. Oh, yeah. See, there's so much stuff people don't see. Yeah, that one didn't look good. <laughs> <laughs> in, in our head, it was like, oh, this is going to look sick. It's like all the lads on the beach. And then we watched it back and we were like, we should probably shelve this one. It was like... <laughs> it, was really, it, it was really funny doing it. Like, we'd all just to swagger about. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, couldn't, I, I couldn't stop laughing. I remember filming that feeling like the man. Like, I was like, yeah, right. We got, we had like you boys, I think. Um, was Youngblood there? Was Youngblood on that show? Maybe he was on that one, or maybe it was, it was definitely that talk. It might be a rearranged no, show. He, right? No, no, he no. Didn't, he, didn't, he didn't do Brighton or the second Doctor. Right, I, so it was us and it was whoever would, was the oh, Oakman so, band. So yeah, it was Simon's Cousins band. So it was all, all the mates, yeah, you yeah. boys. So we, we had a gang of like 15, 15 lads just bowling down the beach. I remember <laughs> feeling like, we must look like legends right now. <laughs> and, then, and then like two weeks later, we got the video. I'm like, oh, it's, yeah, it's a bit, yeah, we don't look like legends. <laughs> we do not look like legends in any way. Um, but yeah, and I, actually that was bad as well because um, it was for um, it was for Good Listener. That was the song. Right, right, and yeah. we were filming it amongst the tour. And we did this like really like, we had this shot plan because it's uh, what's one of the lines? It's about chili con carne. It's yeah. about like I, re I really don't like it. <laughs> yeah. And we had this idea where I was going to go up to the camera and like splat a chili con carne, but like throw it and miss the camera. And I just didn't. And I smacked Tom Pullen, our videographer, literally just soaked his camera in like actual chili con carne. It was like in all the in all the lenses and all like the weird little bits that you can't get to. He was not happy about that. Um, what is it you don't like about chili con carne? Is it the beans? Thing is that that is a this was a lyric that I think no one actually ever got on the on the record. It was, you know, when you've got so many like lyrics to get a message across, and you yeah. have to obviously, if you want to maintain the melody and still make it catchy, you have to sometimes lose a bit of the meaning. Uh, yeah, that 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 the cheats the cheat codes. Here's, here's yeah, what yeah. they don't know. <laughs> the, that that line I was trying to get across in that line how I, I was really pranged out by my phone because I'd been talking to my mum on the phone about what we were having for dinner. She told me it was chili con carne, and then Instagram pops up with 
by it was like a Sainsbury's advert for chili con carne. So the song's all about how it just pranks me out that my phone's listening to everything you're saying and you don't know what conversations they're recording. So the lyric, <laughs> the lyric is about I don't like it that my phone's listening to me. I really don't like it. But but everyone just got it as oh he hates chili con carne. He must <laughs> he must despise that food for writing a song about it. Mate, I, I eat chili con carne every week. It's my it's like my staple meal. I honestly can't get enough of it. The world doesn't know. It's like I'm a re- I'm a I'm a really lazy cook as well. Like I I batch cook like four weeks worth of chili con carne and just like and just stash it in the freezer because I I can't get enough of the stuff. Rob, I'll be honest, I never understood what all that the chili con carne line was about either. <laughs> but I don't think anyone does. I don't think anyone does. That's great to hear that, man. <laughs> to hear that. That would be something that I wouldn't even want to ask you. So I'm <laughs> glad that you, you brought that up. <laughs> do you fit all the touring you've done, mate? Who's um who's been the the kind of people you've learned the most from or you've that's that was the tour for us? Like obviously the fucking five second summer tours was amazing for the say, band kicking on. I thought you were gonna say obviously Lafontaine. I know, but I was, mate. I was going to do that, and I thought, do you know what? It, it's too expected. But obviously, <laughs> it goes without saying. That goes without saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, which, by the way, that tour was amazing. That was wicked. So good. That mate. was great. I mean, to be fair, I, I love you know, I love you guys, and I love the energy you guys bring on stage as well. You know, that's something you know I I really react to is like, you know, going to see a band you know you might know their songs you might not but they bring the party you know it's yeah. like you know i love i love i love being surprised and like you know won over by a band i don't know uh and they and they bring it and i also love when i go to see a band i do know and the songs just hit this new fever pitch level right. you know it elevates it and that's what you guys do that's what we try to do definitely bands i think that that, that achieve that they're the bands that sort of, you know, keep people keep coming back to them and, and seeing them because it's, you know. I've just, I've just remembered a funny thing here. See, uh, obviously you toured with Mike Shinoda loads, right? So <laughs> we got the, we got asked to support them at the Roundhouse. Oh, yeah. That was just after, like we just recorded the third album and the guy was, the fourth member of the band, we just refer to him as the wee guy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Solid Snake. He had <laughs> oh, just no. left. So so we had just went to the three, the three piece. Yeah, so yeah. No bass player. And we were just, this was our first time playing as a, as a three. So, like, I always equate it in football terms. It was like playing away from home and getting a draw. We just got away with the show. Like, we were pretty shit, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. Too far apart and all that. And we, we didn't really know what the fuck was going on. Anyway, <clears throat> on the way down, so we driving down from Glasgow to London, we were listening to Lincoln Park all the way down the, uh, the road, but we were listening. There's a, a comedian up in Scotland called Lemmy who does a spoof version of Crawling. Okay. In the end. And yeah, sorry, in the end, in the end. So as opposed to like listening to proper Lincoln Park, we just kept listening to this spoof, spoof song. Yeah, yeah. So we finally get to the venue and we're greeted by one of Mike's team and it's like, ah, LaFontaine's. Would you like to meet Mike? Now that fuck you know that that never happens. You, you never never happens. Yeah, you yeah. never get to see the fucking main back. Like it just it maybe in passing. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, absolutely, man. Of course I'll go and see Mike. He's forty minutes any hour sound check time by this point, and he's just he's just fiddling about in the piano. Oh uh, yeah. He's just like just jamming and just yeah yeah. Meanwhile, we're like we fucking never played as a three piece. We need to figure this out. Please let us on stage for at least yeah. five minutes to line check. 
Anyway, he's playing and uh, he finally turns round after like me waiting behind him for 10 minutes and he goes, oh, how you doing, man? Like, love you guys and all that stuff. I was like, but before he started talking, man, like, uh, massive fan. Like, that's what got me in like rock music when I was at school, you know, like, ah, oh, such a huge honour. And he's like, that's great you say that because tonight I like a terrible accent as well, but it's my American accent. <laughs> but he's like, that's great you say that because tonight I would like you to come up and do a song with us. And I'm like... <laughs> Ah, absolutely, mate. So he's like, do you know uh, Bleed From... Uh, bleed, bleed It Out. Bleed It Out, right? <laughs> I keep saying Bleed From a Fin. Do you know Bleed It Out? And I was like, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, man, totally. He's like, great, do that one tonight. So I'm fucking... I can't, I'm said to him that I'm cool to do this. Any, any practice or any, mate, nothing? Mate, I've no fucking idea what that song is. Ooh. So I went away back to the fucking dressing room. Googling oh, what that tune is. Oh my god, the stress. Because I was expecting, like, maybe I'll do the Jay Z one, the numb one, I'll, I'll smash the Jay Z bit. That's easy, I know that. <laughs> and then, and then fucking, I had to, like, I eventually had to go, like, boys, I can't do this, man. I don't know the fucking song. It's ridiculous. So I had to say to the tour manager, and he was like, uh, You're going to say no to Mike? No one's ever done that. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever done it. Was that Jim? Yeah, was yeah, no, okay. Like, the kind of white, uh, oh, yeah. You might have been winding up a bit there. Oh, man, I think they were. <laughs> but I had to go out and tell him and all that, and he, he pure back, they had me on as well. It's like, you're saying no. Like, and I was like, oh, yeah, mate, yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but they were so, they were, they were so oh, nice as yeah. well, man. And you got on really well with them, that full team, eh? Yeah, I think that by far they're the, the best team and most welcoming, you know, team we've ever... And this is a full Lincoln Park team as well. Like, that was... Yeah. Yeah, a year or two years of that tour after uh, Chester's passing, and... You know, they hadn't probably done anything for a while as well. So we got all the all that gang back together. And we were like, wow, like, you know, just what a, meeting so many different people were all so nice and all just pulled yeah. together as a team. And yeah, as you said, it's it's like, it's quite rare sometimes. You might do a whole tour sometimes with like a big artist and not even see him, maybe walk past him in the corridor and say hi. Yeah. And like you said, pretty much first show, it was like, yeah, do you want to meet Mike? Um, you know, meet meet the rest of the band. Like, just really nice, really welcoming. And then you were on stage singing with him as well, man. Like, that's fucking amazing. That was like a proper, yeah, dream come true moment. That was, um, yeah, that was one of those things as well where I was like, if I could tell, you know, my like 15-year-old self. Yeah, yeah. young Rob. one. <laughs> yeah, the, the one like who used to be doing it like in the mirror, you know, with his brother. What were you called? Spillage. Yeah, yeah, unfortunate spillage. <laughs> unfortunate spillage. Just stick at it, young Rob. Yes. <laughs> um, so that was yeah, that was that's probably still one of the highlights of my life doing that. It was like honestly, just yeah, and um, as well, just from a from a feeling perspective as well, not even just doing it, like. It was amazing because being a support band, as you know, when you are doing that, most of the people have never seen you before, especially these shows in, um, you know, a lot of places in the States. So, you know, I got to experience being on stage as Don Broco where people are like, oh, okay, you know, or maybe a little, yeah, yeah. a little mosh and then they'll chill out and then, you know, taking it in and then getting to walk back on stage when they know they're getting a Lincoln Park song going absolutely like crazy like that that energy like to feel the energy of like a lincoln park fan base was just Aye. unreal like that was that's that whole tour was just amazing like yeah as you're saying like people who conduct themselves well on tour and like 
bring a show together. Mike's insane as well. The way he um, just like, yeah, takes songs on his album and old Lincoln Park songs and just like brings them to life in a whole new way. You know, yeah. the, his band are amazing as well. They really like elevate the songs and then turn that show into just this, you know, huge celebration. So yeah, yeah, they're wicked. What's the next kind of like ambition for you then? Like Wembley, where do you go from Wembley? Three Wembleys. <laughs> Not even two. <laughs> nah, the two. No, um, <laughs> venue wise, pretty much the next venue is an O2. <laughs> which is like mental um that's a huge huge step so i don't think i don't think we'll be doing that like that feels like we probably like put that on sale and be like we give it the big ones and then it, it wouldn't happen so i think we're probably you know for us really the ambition is to keep playing more places you know around the world as well keep it going keep it going like just the nature of how, you know, our first two albums were only really released in the UK. So, you know, we've had a very UK-centric fan base, um, you know, for most of our career, um, which is also, as well as that being like, it's a shame we couldn't get out and play places earlier, as well, it's a big positive because it meant we got to just really play to people that probably would maybe get us a little bit easier because sometimes people you know sometimes europeans and maybe americans don't always get i don't know maybe some of the jelly con carne yeah i don't know i don't know <laughs> that i i'd like to think we do a you know because i mean music's music you don't have to understand every word right. but we we definitely we definitely um try like to shy away from sounding like a lot of our american influences and things like that you know anything that that has kind of got like a sense of britishness like you know i grew up listening to a lot of just like british indie basically that was kind of my bread and butter was heavy rock music from the states um you know hip-hop and like british indie bands and you know sounding like you do and not putting on an accent you know like you sound like you you know you're not you're not putting on a voice and I don't know that it's probably a, a positive and a negative to some people because internationally, some people are like, oh, they, they sound a bit weird, you know. Um, so having two years just to hammer the UK and just tour and tour and tour it and build, you know, really solidify a fan base here is probably, you know, actually a great thing rather than, you know, sometimes you can spread yourselves too thin. Um, but but now, you know, our, our UK fan, I mean, our fan base is amazing just everywhere, like, you know, all the fans we meet are just, you know, legends. Um, but, you know, especially our, especially our UK fan base who've been there from the beginning. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, they have been through a lot more. They've seen almost more musical changes and, you know, a few ropey videos along the way and, you know, just <laughs> like bad haircuts. You know, they've been through it all. So, um, you know, now sort of taking that and having more time to sort of hopefully when things open up again, play abroad you know there's there's something just so sick about you know that that sort of hungry side of it where it's like okay these people didn't know us before and yeah, you're going man. back and you're building up and you know you're playing to you know first time we did our uh yeah our first headline tour was like the tour uh we did just before uh covid hit so mm -hmm. you know we were really gagging to get back because like that was that was so just rewarding to you know been so many times in the last three years as a support act and then get to do your own show 
it was like, oh, okay, sick. People are actually going to come to see us now. So, yeah, building on that across the rest of the world would be amazing. Have you got, you feel like you've got a kind of wee foothold in America now then? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it feels, it feels really good in the States now. It feels like we almost put all the, all the grafting you would normally over seven, eight years and did it, condensed it into three, which in a way yeah. is quite good because you're just tapping it up again and again and again. Um, and just like, yeah, all the people we met, just like, it feels wicked. There's a real energy out there for shows. Like it reminds me of kind of like back in the day when we were sort of putting all our shows back on, like in the hometown scene, which I'm not as part of anymore. Like I've got no idea what's going on at the grassroots level here in the UK. I wish I kind of didn't have more time, but it feels like got that energy and just like, I think it's probably as well. There's there's an excitement because we're, we're a smaller band out there and um, you know, you're not getting like, you're at a show, you're just chatting to fans. You know, it's not like you're playing to 10,000 people where you pop outside to grab a, you know, a kebab yeah. or something and you just get mobbed and it's fair enough. You know, it's like it's, all your fans are there. So everyone's going to want to say hi, which is great. But then you physically just can't talk to more and then it gets a bit stressful. Is that a bit of a head fuck that? I mean, it's, for me, I, I, I like it. I love it really. You know, I love chatting to people and doing it. The, the only issue I have is when... Um, I lose my voice, which is pretty much every tour. No, so but I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm talking about like going from there. Oh, that. No, that's that's. I guess it is a bit weird, but I like it. You know, I like being an unknown. I like being like an up and comer. It just feels, yeah, you've got that. Yeah, I guess it, it feels more real because it's like, oh wow, I really need to convert this. You're not like, you're not safe in it. You've got, you've really, you've, yeah, you've yeah. got something to prove, which is kind of, uh, you know, it's funny. It's always like. I guess I think they say it in like you know uh, sports and boxing like being like the contender yeah, is yeah. like you know being like, pretty, like not that like we're fucking kings of the world and you know <laughs> we're on top now we're a fucking big deal knock us off our throne it doesn't feel like that at all but almost like when you're an up and coming you've got that um, that hunger to like really really like just go that extra mile which I, which I do like absolutely man what does a day to day look like for you at the moment what are you doing to pass the time it's really boring you know recently it's literally just been constant mix points you know um yeah fiddling things you know there, there was that like period it was like okay we can take the foot off the gas now it's like a few little you know re-records here and there where it's yeah. like oh, okay try this pretty boring stuff to be fair so i'm like it's definitely like the the fun part of the process is out of the way so I, now i'm uh. at now I'm just like, we need to tour. We need to get out and do something, you know, and, you know, fingers crossed, like they're saying, things will come back end of August, September. And we got, you know, Slam Dunk uh, in in September. So that'll be... Is that the first thing you've got? That'll be the first thing back, yeah. So, you know, probably do, you know, maybe I'd love love to squeeze in one or two warm-up shows before that because <laughs> we haven't, haven't played in two years. Like, that's crazy. That is a bit daunting, actually, the thought of, like, oh, shit. I was thinking, like, uh, I won't know what to do with, like, my hands or anything like that when I go back. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, what the fuck did... What, what does this go? I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit scared. It's the first time I've been, like, yeah, a little bit nervous thinking, wow, like, never, never been this out of practice. No. Never not not sung or you know played a show in this long and in my life really like since i was yeah 
14. Recording's different, you know, because you're you're in the studio and you're kind of get multiple attempts. <laughs> it sounds rubbish. You can just do it again. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, just getting back with the boys and starting to like actually learn to play the songs because we we did with COVID and everything. Obviously, we didn't. Usually, we write. It's like a mix of you know writing on the computer, bring it to practice, jamming yeah. it out, a bit of both. This time, it was like fully written on Zoom, chucking ideas across. Um, so the studio was the first time we brought it together, you know, actually on playing it, but we've never played it as a four. So yeah, getting to do that will be probably a big enough challenge as it is. It's exciting times though, Bobby, man. It's like, it's, I think this will be a, I think you'll fly with this album. But listen, we've taken too much of your time. Uh, I'm going to let you go. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, mate. No, no, thanks for, thanks for having me on. Nothing but the best team, mate. Yeah, you too, boys. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Shouts to fucking Bobby, man. What a guy. Legend. Starting the month, it's always good to get some some new patrons to the, the page to keep this thing going. We've, uh, we've just been 52 weeks um, and an incredible achievement. Factually, the longest podcast running in the UK. 52 weeks. So, um, <laughs> sign up to that. Keep it going. Keep the record going week on week. What's the Patreon address, Daz? Where, where can they find us? You can find us at patreon.com forward slash the LaFontaines, where you can donate anything from a pound. To your firstborn. To your firstborn. But what we would strongly recommend is you don't donate a pound. Uh, no. Don't bother your arse unless it's like a fiver. What are the three of us going to do with a pound? Mind we have to split this as well. Have you ever split a pound with someone? <laughs> Three people. people over the course of a month. Over the course of a month, it doesn't really work, does it? So come on, think of the content, premium content. Um, also, uh, no Jamie's journal this week, but I think you can all agree uh, that that story at the start of the podcast there merits its own BAFTA nomination. So certainly, 
And if you sign up to the Patreon, you get exclusive, exclusive Jamie's journal. Hit us up on the Patreon. Join it. Join the movement as always. Uh, thank you for listening. In fact, if you've been with us the full fifty-two weeks, by the way, all right, that's amazing. Fucking legends. Thank you. We're enjoying it, and it's because Definitely. of you, you guys and, and gals out there. So thank you. So stick with us. Cheers. And as we say in the podcast, peace, love, unity, and above all else, good night. Vienna. Vienna. <laughs> Vienna. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.